Welcome to Inked Up, where we dive into the fascinating world of permanent makeup. This podcast is brought to you by Highstoke, your trusted PMU growth partner, helping permanent makeup artists succeed through marketing, branding, and scaling strategies. Join us in each episode as we unravel the secrets of this ever-evolving industry and provide valuable insights to help you thrive as a PMU artist. Hello. Hello, hello. It's Mina. How are you doing, Danny? I am doing fantastic. Awesome, Tamina. <laughs> Happy Tuesday. How are you? Happy Tuesday. I am good. Yeah. How are you? How was your day? It was, um, you know, one of those, I feel like sometimes I, I, I lose track of my days and every day just feels like another day like the other day mm. but it was like happy sunday i'm like oh my god it's already the weekend and so it's been one of those days so you know we're super excited to have you here and a lot of times we don't really get to hear about your story and your journey and how you even got into the industry and so i'm really excited to dive into a lot of that today so to me yeah, let, let's let's get right into it. Um, I always like to ask this because every time that I ask an artist this, how they got into the industry, it's like no one ever expects to get into the PMU industry. So curious right. how you got, you specifically got into this crazy world. I know, I know. It's always um, interesting to see people's progress and everything. We just never know their backstories. And I always love to hear that, know more about them. Uh, when it comes to social media, I'm pretty good at posting my work, but I was just never like comment like, you know, this is my story. So this is a great opportunity. Um, I was actually doing social media and marketing for a lot of PME artists a couple of years ago. Really? I have another IG handle. It's just Elijah 360. So right now it has 1.6 million followers. I haven't been active on that. Um, that's how I got to connect with a lot of PME artists a while ago. And it was just always something very fascinating. The first time I somebody requested to post it because I was doing reposts on there. It's like, what is this? This looks so interesting. It was a microblading clip. And then um, I was a college student. So I just, you know, I was just fascinated by that. I just took a course in microblading. But I was working and I was studying. So I just never had the time to really take it seriously at the time I was in Canada. And eventually I just microblading personally wasn't for me. It's a beautiful technique, but I just my heart was just not in it. And then powder brows actually started getting super popular around 2016, I would say that's yeah. when I started posting about it. Uh, 1516. And then when the machine worked, when I tried that, I just fell in love with it. And I started practicing on my own, just finding resources online. Um, the girls that joined this industry now, they're still lucky. There's so many resources that trainers just put out for free. Yeah. At the time, there was not much. So, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. But I was lucky in a sense that I knew a lot of um, girls from this industry. And, you know, I had a lot of their help. So, which I'm super, super grateful for. And they just kind of like, you know, social media, I knew that part I had handled. I knew I could do that. That was my profession. But um, in terms of skills, I had a lot of help. And then courses, practicing and building. And here we are a couple of years later. No, I, I love that. So you were already doing social media marketing for PMU artists, like you said. How did you even like find out about that, that industry to figure out like that was your focus at that point? I'm curious. So I started started that uh, social media page out of curiosity just because I was just stressed out, college student. Mm. I was just posting things. I never thought of it becoming anything, but when the page became super popular, 
I started getting requests from businesses. And the first artist that reached out to me to repost her work because of a bigger page for exposure. Mm-hmm. And that was a microblading clip. She was from Australia. I wish I remembered her name. That was the first, th- first time I just ever knew anything. I was very, I uh, probably in 2014 or something around yeah. that time, 2015. Yeah. Got it. No, I love that so much. And so, Walk us through the journey of how the business started, like because I'm assuming you use your social media skills and you're like, okay, you know what? I think this is, you know, you already knew the game on, on again, like the different platforms and mm-hmm. how to attract clients. So walk us through that part of the, the business. How did you starting to get certified and learning the artistry um, develop into you starting the actual business side of things? I started practicing on my own and just whatever help that was available online and I took online courses. I was in Canada at the time and then I moved to the U.S. Uh, when I got married and then it takes a while to get your paperwork. So I was just home practicing and still doing my social media work on the side. Yeah. New Jersey is a regulated state so you can't just open a place and like get started. Even though I did have prior training, prior experience, I had to go take the beginner course. Yeah. Which is 100 hours of in-person training and then 15 procedures that needs to be done under supervision. So I completed that. Um, and then I took my license and everything but in terms of developing the business it was two things social media and referrals so both of those together social media because I had experience with this line of work and I had work and I knew what type of contents would do well what type of videos and I had been posting videos from like the beginning even when the work was not as good I just knew videos just have more power in promoting and putting yourself out there so posting all all of that online and just running some Instagram ads for exposure, asking around family, friends, whoever. Honestly, I was just hustling. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're like a cheat. Yeah, you, you had a cheat code. You're you are in the game of social media, so you knew all, how to do all of this. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> That's the part I had handle. So yes, that, in that sense, I am because I knew what to do and what not to do in terms of artistry. Like that's something I had to really work on and develop, and it has evolved a lot over time. Mm. In the beginning, so basically, social media I was very consistent with posting before and after. At the same time, I have very strong referral mm. program. Mm. Free touch dogs. It started off with like free. I was just doing a lot of procedures for free just to get content and build my portfolio. Mm. And mm. I, I watched live for some other artists as well, and they all have done that. You have to work for free in the beginning because it is important to build your portfolio. You should not get into this industry thinking you're just yeah. going to make a lot of money right off the bat. You build your prices. Up. 100%. You are, um, you're on that trend because every speaker that I've talked to so far, like you just said, have said the same thing. So you didn't break that streak yet. I love, I love it so much. It's, yes. just, it's such yes. a fresh perspective. And so in the beginning, like you were saying, you were like grinding it out. You were hustling, doing free work, getting the models coming in and just really building those foundational pieces. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I knew that. And there is always demand for this um, kind of work and there always will be. And what you do, your skill set will always set you apart. Like this is not something you can pick and choose between somebody likes you or they'll come mm-hmm. to you. So you just build that. You specialize in a certain technique. I have clients flying from all over the country, places that have incredible artists that they're like, I watch your work, I like bits, I'm just yeah. here. But once you like somebody, they'll come 
to you and I'm grateful for that but you have to put in that time yeah. and effort and you know lots of hours I, a lot of uh, I love that so much um, and I know this topic nobody likes to talk about too much and I think that it should be but you know challenges and the tough times along the way but you know in, in the beginning your first couple of years like were there any big challenges that you faced where you're like, okay, you know what, maybe this isn't for me, maybe I should be doing something else? Do you ever feel like that in the beginning stages? I did, and I'll be honest. And that was not so much for the work, it's just me um, as a person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say it because a lot of people are, they're not, may not admit it. So being an emotional person in a service industry, that's um, – sort of, you know, high pressure, you're tattooing faces. Yeah. It took me a while to, to not take to things too personally, and it's not always about my work. So that's the part that would challenge me emotionally a lot. So I had to learn over time and develop that thick skin. It was never the business. I always, um, you know, because I studied business, my major was marketing, was never social media. It was just knowing how to to communicate properly, how not to take things personally. Um, when your business grows, you have to grow with it. If you don't grow with it, you're just going to not survive in, in this industry. So that's the part that was challenging. Yeah. And um, during that time, if I had certain tough situations with a certain client or something happened, those are the moments, you know, crying in the bathroom, that's when I thought I would probably give up and <laughs> this is just too tough for me Got it. But, uh, if you ever face anybody face that just know it's just it's, not end of the it's world, the end of world. It's it's not got it so it was more like the customer service side of things for you the communication being able in to a way clients, the i knew my limitations yeah. so i just knew that i had to work on myself as much as i work on the business as well so that's something that i struggle with but other than that i'm grateful for all these thousands of clients that i have they're more like family to me and ever since I started training my incredible students, uh, you know, I cried all day. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the good, good tears, class. right? They're both good tears. Good ones, good tears. ones, good ones. From, <laughs> awesome. um, my Chicago students, they were incredible. Um, all my students are amazing, but this one, it was just, they took the time to let me know that they loved it and you know, letting me know how the training helped them already as well as even two, three days. I, so. I love, I love, I'm great. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, um, I love that so much. I, I like to think that your business is a reflection of you as a person. Perfect. And so as your business is growing, like you definitely need to grow yourself too, like constantly. And there's always like levels of it. Constantly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, okay, so, so that's that. And then, you know, I, you mentioned earlier how a lot of the, the people getting into the industry, they're so lucky now. They have all of these resources to you back then. So I, I guess like now heading into 2023, like what are some of the things that you tell your students? Like any advice you have for people looking to get into the industry as of this new year? People looking into this industry, I just always said it's the best thing will change your life. It absolutely changed mine mm -hmm. and ways that I could not have imagined. Um, I feel like education, quality education, so doing the research properly, choosing some a trainer that has an ongoing support, um, and they have all the resources. And once you do take a good training, then it's up to you, the hard work. So you have to put a lot of work into it. The resources available, but ultimately it doesn't mean anything if you're not using it and applying it. So just, I just feel like you have to put yourself out there, put your work out there, 
to work just the old school way. There's no little tricks to get the things faster, no shortcuts for anything. You have to put in time and effort. You have to be able, you have to be willing to work for free uh, to build your portfolio, gain experience. Like the, one of the reasons I was just doing so many for free or just like starting at $75, $200, $250, like at that price of spending two to two and a half hours with a client making sure everything went smoothly. I was able to, I kept my prices low for another reason as well because of the frequency of clients that I was getting. Mm. It's not just for the content, but the experience you get, like three, four clients a day, every single day. Um, that really improved my skill in a short amount of time Yeah. because of that. So you have to be able to dedicate um, time and effort into it. It's amazing, incredible but there is work involved. There is. Not You're telling me we, we can't make six figures in 14 days after? Uh, no, <laughs> maybe 30 days, not 14. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, okay, no, that, that's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. And so I'd love to understand more of uh, how you eventually became a trainer because, you know, that transition from an artist to a trainer, that was, I'm sure, a journey in itself. So at what point you were like, you know what, I'm great at what I do, I have my techniques, I want to start educating. When was that moment for you? So when I moved to Jersey, I started posting um, about my work after I got licensed and everything. Even though I had prior experience, I started posting it more. The quality of content that I was posting was good. Mm -hmm. And I was honestly getting requests for trainings right away. And I would laugh about it with my friends. I was like, you know, I'm not training, but I'm honored. Thank you so much for even thinking that, you know, I'm worthy of that. I appreciate it. Um, that's how people were always interested. They wanted to join the class. The first class that I did was almost a year and a half ago, but I didn't do it by myself. I did it with one of my um, colleagues, Twee Brownwood from Canada. She is my mentor as well. I did it with her because she had the resources in terms of you know, her experience. I don't want to just do it by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, when I posted about the class in November 2021, three classes, I literally sold out within a week or so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't do it by myself because Twee's expertise, the, you know, her knowledge and everything, even though the technique I, I demonstrated and I was teaching it, but the style has evolved a lot over the years in terms of how I explain things, how I break down a technique, and I've constantly updated because all my students get an online portion for their training as well. And at the time when I started training, I recorded some content uh, with at a studio, all professional 4K, a couple case studies, different mapping, just so they have something to refer to. Mm -hmm. And I updated all of that this year. I'm continuously editing that. So it's like by itself 20 hours of, uh, of training the online portion. So definitely I, when I started training, that was another learning curve. Mm -hmm. I had to really know how to explain things, how to know every student's learning style and my teaching style, and they're not always the same. So being nimble and being patient, um, that was always my goal. But the intention was always to give them the most that I can and teach mm -hmm. with my art and everything I know and be there with them when they need me. In terms of the quality of training, it has evolved and changed a lot and will continue to change and evolve in coming months, days, and years.
I love that so much. Um, because I was going to ask you, as a trainer, there are its own set of challenges. Because I've had this interview with so many other artists, and going to a trainer now, all of a sudden, you're an educator, and now it's a completely different ballgame. And so, any piece of advice for those who are looking to get into training? Because obviously, here in our audience, we have those who are at that intermediate level. They're like, you know what? Maybe one day I want to be another Tamina. I want to start training too. What advice do you have for that segment of people? If anyone's looking to train um i would just say like you have to have you need to know in your heart that you have mastered it now there's not a level where you reach and you're like okay i learned everything you continue to grow but a point where you're 100 confident like if it's a certain niche like you have to know how um your heal result is over time like you, know, you need to figure out you need to be knowledgeable on all the topics and continue to learn about that and when you do start start small like make sure you provide all the resources and be there like maybe one-on-one or two-in-one just so you're able and you're, to understand your style of teaching and then slowly into group trainings because it takes um you need to be mindful of everybody in a group training like you know the one we did in chicago recently um like you don't want anybody feeling left out so that that would not have been possible if i started off with a big group like that with no help yeah um so definitely you need to know in your heart that you have mastered the technique you know it you all the different topics and start off by teaching smaller groups or one-on-ones and just see your style get feedback and don't take that personally i still ask for feedback from students about things that i could improve and things i could add yeah. like you know um i was always a very very tough teacher but that's just not every <laughs> you, you're a tough Some teacher like you're saying that. you're a tough teacher I, I, my style was, uh, you know and uh, sometimes it it could get a little discouraging for some students. I just know better ways to communicate. I'll still be tough. I'll still point out things. I'll still correct them. But and it, I communicate it better now just so it's not personal. They just know that I'm doing it because I want them to succeed. I want them to improve. Yeah, got it. Well, and, and honestly, in, in my personal opinion, I feel like in this industry, you have to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, especially if you're trying to be successful with all that's going on. So I'm glad that you're more of the... Yeah, I put it out there in the beginning of the training. I just put it out there in the beginning of the training um, that I'll give them feedback and I'll be tough, but it's for their own benefit. It's for your own benefit. Do I have your permission to yell at you whenever you're... So yeah but i'm like, love it love it like <laughs> awesome awesome okay so no thank you for sharing that and so let's go into more of the technique now obviously you're known for your soft pixelated brows and so how did that come to be how did you transition into that and how did you um you know everything about the technique itself we'd love to hear yeah um it's funny because when i said the ombre of brow was getting super popular around like 2000 15 and 16, there was always the bolder look. Now, nothing is wrong with that. I just don't want to come off like that. It's an incredible technique, and there's definitely market for that. Um, and that's the kind of content I was getting a lot of engagement on my page, and that was super popular. So almost everybody started with a bolder style. Yeah. But when I started, personally, that's a technique I had learned. The saturate the brass, fill them in completely. And when I was getting clients, they were every day you know, my nurses, my beautiful teachers, like, 
they did not want something too bold. Yeah. Like they're always a little scared about that. And at the time, my technique was not developed enough to show them that. And um, so I had to kind of learn not to do it very boldly and just be soft and gentle and just little by little and build it. So that's um, the technique evolved because there was a market for it where I was working and what people were requesting. If people were requesting this, the intense, bold look, I probably would have never come up with this technique. It's not my technique. A lot of incredible artists do it, but that's what I'm known for because that's what I consistently post on my page. Mm -hmm. So the technique is more of a softer or pixelated different terms for that. The goal is for it to look natural, kind of see-through, like look like a little filled-in effect rather than a tattoo on the face. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference in terms of the overall outcome of it. So that's why I specialize in that. And when I teach students, a lot of them that do come, first thing we do in the class is I have them shade, um, set a brow for me because I want to observe their technique. And it's usually bold and saturated and filled in there. Like, I want to learn the soft technique. So we go from there. So the way I break it down for them, like everything matters. And I just go back to basics in terms of how do you hold your machine? How do you move your machine? What speed do you work? What, when do you need to adjust your speed, the needle, and your pressure, and how you overlap different sections, how you transition. So all of that's broken down for them. Just all of that together will produce this kind of effect that heals soft and natural, and also showing them ways, the not wrong ways, but the other ways just so they can distinguish between the two and not do. Just to give you an example, if I'm doing a very soft pixelated look, the strokes are going to be a little spaced out. If it's a bolder look, it keeps closer together. So we just kind of have to explain the difference so they're mindful of that. Anytime I teach my students, it's all this, but you need to be mindful. You just need to pay attention, be focused, and apply these, and you will be able to achieve the softer effect. And these are the mistakes you need to avoid. So I do show them during the class, but when they have their online portion, um, it's also broken down with examples of how to do it, how not to do it, um, what if you made a mistake, how do you fix it? So all those little clips and technique breakdowns are there for them. So they're able to troubleshoot those problems on their own. Oh, I, lo I love that so much you're so, super knowledgeable in all of that i love how you just geeked out for the last couple of minutes and so i'm curious training. training so i am shifting the focus a little bit more from clients to trainings and as i train more and more students i need to be available for them for their after support and all of that and developing so working on a lot of online courses as well um, but the focus on this year is going to be trainings destination trainings mostly, but also I started doing beginner classes here in New Jersey because those are intensive training, so. Well, Tamia, thank you so much for taking the time. You've been amazing. Thank you for joining us on this PMU journey. We hope you found inspiration and actionable insights to elevate your career in permanent makeup. To stay updated on the latest trends, tips, and exclusive content, be sure to follow us on social media at High Stoke Media. Don't miss out on our upcoming episodes and exciting PMU news. Until next time, keep creating beauty one stroke at a time.